the muzzleloaders.com podcast, your source for all things muzzleloading. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Muzzleloaders podcast. Uh, we are here in Belt, Montana, and we're hanging out with the Shears. Uh, they were kind enough to invite us out to their home, and uh, we're here to just dig into their life, their ministry, and some of the things that they have going on on a day-to-day basis. So uh, with that, Chad, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and Marsha as well? well I'm Chad Shear and uh, host of Shoot Straight TV. also do the uh, uh, media relations and advertising with uh, BPI Outdoors, which mm-hmm. is CBA and Bergara. And we, we do about 30 seminars a year, including many wild game feeds at churches. Awesome. And Marsha, there is not enough time <laughs> to go how much over. Did you, how much did you pay him to say that? <laughs> not enough time to say what she really does for for our family, mm-hmm. our ministry, and our our, our business. Yeah. But, and, Chad, we've been doing this for a long time. Um, we've been in the outdoor industry for, what, 25-plus years mm-hmm. for you. And then Chad and I have been married almost 23 years. I'm originally from Tennessee, Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, I kid and say I was hunting for a husband and now I hunt with my husband. <laughs> That's true. So um, I just kind of adapted that into his lifestyle and in the hunting and the outdoors. And then the Lord blessed us with two boys, with Walker and Wyatt. Mm-hmm. And they've been in hunting camp ever since. Before they could even walk, they were yeah. in hunting camp. So it's just been a life. Um, Chad was always great at making it fun. Mm-hmm. So that was always great as a family, just really enjoying God's great outdoors and all different types of aspects, but it was, he was very passionate about it, but he, he would like for them to be passionate about the outdoors, but he never really pushed it on Mm -hmm. them. Just gave them the tools and the techniques and the opportunity. And they are both avid hunters and fishermen and Walker even has his own guide license. And both of them just love the outdoors. So they just took on that passion. And now they push us. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's how it goes. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool because Marsha, she um, got her guide's license. Mm-hmm. She was also, I'm going to brag on her for a minute. She's very <laughs> humble, doesn't do this. Um, got her guide license right after we were married and really learned what was going on up here in Montana and, and has guided a lot of people from Karen Mehal with American Hunter mm-hmm. and, and several others. Um, and, and besides that, she does all the cooking and with our TV show, mm-hmm. she does uh, recipes from the field. And then we have the Bergara Academy up here, the long range shooting school, Montana. And she does so much with the logistics on that. And then all the meals and the meal prep and, and that. And, mm-hmm. and then she speaks with me when we, we do the outdoor events, but then she also speaks at a lot of churches at, at ladies meetings and mm-hmm. ladies events. And she's got, gets a lot of great questions uh, with that, with the outdoors. So, and besides being a, a, a mom to Walker and Wyatt and a, a wife to, to me, it, it she, keeps a very busy busy schedule and uh i always tell people she's the brains behind the operation i'm just the pr guy yeah. well, i don't know about that that's, but. that's a smart husband thing to say <laughs> I, I say the same thing about my wife um and you guys mentioned that you know you've obviously been doing the you know shoot straight tv show we talked about that a little bit last time with you chad and um you know having the the boys along with you and hunting with a family traveling the world with a family i mean that's got to be pretty stressful um let alone your guys' busy schedule that you already have uh what is what does an average year look like for you guys you know because we we were lucky enough to book you guys in the week that we had open you guys had available for us and and uh because you have 
full the whole rest of the year. So what does that look like? What do you guys do in that time? Well, I think one thing to look back on that it's really crazy with all this is not only did Marsha wear all those hats, she also homeschooled our boys. Mm. And that was a very important they factor. They both graduated. Yeah. I survived. <laughs> or they, they survived from me, maybe. Yeah. But, yeah. but when we would originally started the show, they were four and five years old. Mm-hmm. So an average day – we she always made it a priority and would we would plan our hunt schedules around the schooling schedules and a lot of travel days and being on airplanes the mm-hmm. four of us together and so she would spend that time uh making sure their schoolwork was a priority that today now they're older they're they're right along with us and they're mm-hmm. they're helping us uh, on the day-to-day things and even today as we're speaking walkers doing some different things and doing some editing with the show and and why it's doing some of the stuff on the ranch and making sure everything's ready for the shooting schools coming in so um day-to-day it'd have to start in january do you want to lead us off with uh what it's more of a, a month by month right right well trying to compress it a little bit january february march april mm-hmm. those first four four months of the year um we have a few of the outdoor industry shows some of the you know mule deer foundation safari club um different things like that that we attend speak at so that's kind of mixed in there but mm-hmm. also during those four months we blend in that's when we do a lot of our outdoor ministry work um they call them from a beast feed to a wild game night a sportsman's family night Mm -hmm. Um, many years ago it was just kind of like a men's event but for the last probably what chad maybe five years or more it's really become a family event and Mm -hmm. that's what we enjoy because it's getting the whole family involved Um, maybe even if not everybody hunts they can enjoy the outdoors together so we're really focusing on those the ministry work is the outdoor events May kicks, and then in April, we kind of start turkey hunting. May is bear hunting, kind of a little bit of turkey hunting. Um, we're getting everything ready for the shooting schools coming in. Mm-hmm. June, July, and August are the Bagara Long Range Shooting School. Um, we do a lot with different industries, companies that will come up and have kind of like a team building, whether it's shooting prairie dogs or just shooting guns at the long range, but they're kind of just here with their, with their team. Mm-hmm. So we do that during the summer months. And then August starts to kick in, getting ready for maybe any – um, f- farther away trips like New Zealand, South Africa, some of that stuff we do in August and then September, all the way back to December again, we're in full swing for all of the big game hunting. So mm. it just, a whole lot goes on, but a day to day, if I can tell you this, I have learned that we try to be very scheduled and mm-hmm. very prepared, but at all times with as much as prepared and scheduled and routine and goal oriented, you have to be flexible. Yeah. There's just a lot when the boys were younger and even now with them being 19 and 20 um, with weather conditions, with certain people coming in, coming out. um, We have great people in the industry that we work with, but we might be planning on something and somebody call and say, hey, we need you to film this like yesterday. (laughs) So that means it's getting the gear together, the cameras together, heading up to the mountains or finding a location to shoot something that they need. So. We, we do have we do try to stay very schedule goal oriented mm-hmm. from a day to a week even to a month or more but at the same time I think a lot of just living life to the fullest and trying to accommodate any stress that may come is you do have to be flexible yeah there are things that are thrown at us every day in our life that we don't prepare for or we don't know it's going to happen and how we not necessarily act but react to those mm-hmm. can make a difference and it it follows out into our family excuse me, and out to our family. So 
We do try to stay pretty scheduled, and the schedule is very tight. We were yeah. so blessed that we had a few <laughs> days in this work together for both of us mm-hmm. with some changes, but really having to be flexible is is really true with with the whole family dynamics because you're taking four adults now. Yeah. <laughs> Not mom and dad and two kids. You know, they used to say, oh, raising the children when they're young and the diapers and the teaching. I'm thinking, man, can we go back to those days? <laughs> it's all great. But the 19, 20 year old, you've, they're adults, they're, mm-hmm. they're men. So everybody has opinions and, and you just have to balance it all out. So everybody being a little flexible and giving really does make the day go a lot better. Absolutely. And with all that fullness of the schedule is, does hunting does it ever feel like it's more of a job or is it still just as, is there as much passion in it as there always was when you guys first started? You know, I still think there's as much passion and every adventure is a new adventure and every Mm -hmm. day is different. You go out there in God's creation, you never know what you're going to see and you never know what you're going to encounter. I I think recently we were over in South Africa and we were with um, a, a good friend of ours. He's a PH and his dad was actually, uh, killed while guiding um, mm. Cape Buffalo hunters, and a Cape Buffalo attacked him. And uh, Walker did a really cool tribute to mm. him called "Stepping Out of His Shadows." They played it on the Pursuit Channel for Father's Day last mm-hmm. year. And it's a great story about um, our good friend Claude Kleinhans and how his son is taking over his, the business and the family business and guiding. and And while we were over there, we had just an amazing day. We came around this corner. And we, we saw these wild African dogs there, mm. which you don't usually see that many. And then all of a sudden we see a hyena mm. and we look up and then there's a leopard and they're all right mm. there. And they had a warthog down in this hole and he's backed in and they're all digging and trying <laughs> to get to it. And we just sat and videoed and Walker photographed and we went a little further and we saw a honey badger mm. and they said, you could, and then a little further, we saw an anteater. And they said, this was all within just a couple hours of each other. They said, (laughs) you can go many times to Africa. And they said, in all our years guiding, you're, you're fortunate if you see one, one day and maybe see another, but to see all those and now, and that's just it. You don't Mm -hmm. know what that day's going to bring. And there's always something you can learn and it's always exciting. So I say, yeah, is it sometimes mundane or the work, sometimes a travel can get Mm -hmm. that way. Um, but I, I will tell you, it's, it's like when we do these seminars, I had a guy at a sports show one time say, um, he's like, well, what is your rate? And what, what do you do when you speak? I say, you know what? I speak for free. Mm-hmm. It's traveling, sitting on an <laughs> airplane all day, missing flights and staying at a hotel. <laughs> I said, the speaking is a fun part. Yeah. So yeah. there, there are a lot of logistics and I would tell you, Marsh is logistics specialist. If you want to know how to pack a bag for a hunt, <laughs> she can do it. And then it, if very seldom are we not doing a hunt together, but there's mm-hmm. some I have to go by myself, then I have the hard job of figuring out how did all this get back in that bag before <laughs> I fly home. But yeah. I would say we stay pretty passionate, and I've mm-hmm. watched that as a mom, and we've talked about it, you know, together. I've talked about it with Chad. The boys have stayed very passionate about mm-hmm. it too. You know, there's there's always something else they haven't done. You know, they've done a lot, and we're very blessed the the things that they've got to do and that we've got to do together as a family. Um, but they're, you know, just recently, Wyatt drew a very special moose tag that's just been out for two years. They only give it one tag out. Hmm. So there again, he's, he was so excited. And he's, and that's, that's when you lose that. Yeah. Just put your guns away, your bows away and just stop, you know, but I mm-hmm. mean, he was so excited about it and so passionate about it. And 
and Walker's doing more with his, you know, with his bow and then just new equipment coming out and getting to, you know, try new things. So I don't think we become, I think we stay very passionate about all of it. I think that's what keeps it fresh too. Yeah. When uh, your son calls up and said, are you sitting down? <laughs> I'm like, that's not always a good thing. <laughs> it scares you a He's like, bit. I drew the move tag. <laughs> I'm like, well, what area? He's like, the good one. Because <laughs> I always put him in for it, but uh -huh. sometimes I'll put the boys and Marsh and I in different areas just to try and increase our odds. And mm -hmm. He drew one in our backyard, which oh, they man. only give one tag. Moose, I've known of moose in this area for over 30 years, and just last year they gave the first permit out. Oh, that's exciting. But the things that Chad was sharing about with Africa and mm -hmm. all those different things, all those hunting experiences, that's what we enjoy sharing with people when we do our ministry work. Yeah. Um, because the Lord teaches us so many things, and it's a life lesson that we can share with other people. Um, and, and a lot of people may not know when I say the ministry work, but we'll go into a church that asks us to come in, and they invite the community. Mm -hmm. They advertise it. It shoots straight TV. So there are a lot of people be like, oh, I've, se I've seen that guy on TV or mm -hmm. I've seen her cook or, you know, but they may not go to church. They may not have that um, Christianity in their life, but they'll come to hear the hunting. And through that, Chad shares, you know, hunting stories, tips and techniques. Um, I'll get up and, and, and talk with them. The boys will get up and talk. And then right at the end, he just kind of switches it around and says, you know, you prepare for a hunting season mm -hmm. that lasts just for a short time. And he will just go ahead and say, are you prepared for eternity? Yeah. That's the most important thing. And through that, he'll share scriptures and let them know how they can know 100% sure that they're on their way to heaven and can make that decision in their life. And it's a life-changing event to have the Lord in your life. And so that's what we do a lot with the ministry work. That's kind of what that is in a very quick nutshell. Yeah. Um, but it's so rewarding, and we've met so many great people um, and so many decisions. The Lord's put us at the place where it's not us. We're just being able to be used as a vessel, mm -hmm. or an instrument, a tool that he's able to use us. And it's there's been a lot of people. We had somebody that was actually was just done with life mm. and had just decided that week that they just they didn't think they had anything worth living for. And they came to the event and found out there is a lot worth living for. Mm -hmm. So it was things like that. It's just a blessing to get to do that together as a family. Yeah. And really Christians, we're, we're all people. We love to hunt. We love to, we're just people, you know, and it's important that we have, you know, we've been blessed with a platform and we are able to, you know, do that and, and love people. And that's yes. really what it comes down to is people like that where there is a reason to live. And that is, that's so exciting. I'm really, thank you for sharing that. Um, and, and on the, on the ministry side, how much of your guys' time is taking, you know, it, devoted to that, devoted to those speaking events? How many of those do you usually book a year and how does somebody get plugged into that if they wanted to have you guys come to their church? Chad, what'd you say about 30 maybe or more? Yeah, we try to do as many as we can. And because of with what we do for CVA and Bragar and that, that keeps our days busy. So we're while we're traveling we're doing our emails and our phone calls mm -hmm. and keeping that stuff going and then in the evenings uh we're doing those and we'll try to come into a regional area and hit four or five mm -hmm. because coming out of montana traveling back and forth is always always challenging and and if somebody's interested in booking they can just go to shootstraighttv.com mm -hmm. and uh, just email us on that or chat at shootstraighttv.com and uh, Marcia does an amazing job with all the logistics and, try, and all our travel. I learned a long time ago she was way better at that, and she <laughs> figures it all out. And uh, so even even this last year when it was challenging and we, mm. we lost 
some events just because they there was number limits yeah. and restrictions. Mm-hmm. We were this spring was very busy because all the ones were trying to make up for it, and uh, so and we we got to do that, and that was exciting. And Chad, you mentioned that uh, last year, you know, there were some events and things that had gotten canceled and so that kind of brings to my mind what how did what happened last year affect you know your your job with the show and with the ministry and like what did how did that change and how did you adapt and be flexible like Marsha was saying you know it was something we've never experienced before I mean we get our whole schedule I mean we're planning stuff way in advance and we've got everything figured out and I still remember we saw this kind of trickling down and happening I'm mm-hmm. like well what's gonna happen and so we were booked to speak in Buffalo, New York one night, and then Palmyra, New York the next night. And we've had many events at Palmyra. They pack it out, 500 mm-hmm. people there. They do a fantastic job. And we get to Minneapolis at the airport and call, and they said, Chad, our governor just restricted it to 200 people. Oh, man. They're like, we can't pick which 200 people are, are going to be here and we want to be a good testimony to our community and we because so many things were unknown at that time that was in March last year so we're going to have to cancel we're already in route I mm-hmm. mean we are at the airport in Minneapolis so Buffalo said well we're right at 200 so we're going to do it mm-hmm. so he had to fly to Buffalo we spoke and I still never will forget this. We go to the airport the next morning, and I, I've flown a million miles on Delta. I've flown mm-hmm. over the world, and it's a ghost town. Mm-hmm. And the planes were almost empty, and I'm like, this is real. This is really, really crazy. And then all of a sudden, I start calling people, and just we went from having a, several events in April and May to nothing. Mm. So what do you do? Yeah. I mean, and then all of a sudden we're finding out countries are closing and borders are closing. What do we do, Marcia? Just had to go with it. Had to be flexible, adjust, mm-hmm. make a schedule adjustment. We stayed in contact with everybody and just everybody was kind of on hold. And then when things opened it up, we were hammered down <laughs> trying yeah. to catch up with everything. Well, so. and then with our hunts, with our shows, because we couldn't, go spring bear hunting in Canada. Mm-hmm. We couldn't go to Africa. They'd shut those borders down. We had to generate more content that way. So so often we're on the road and we don't get to hunt turkeys in our home state. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, okay, let's shift gear. So we got the CVA Scout 410s out and mm-hmm. started chasing birds. And we ended up with six Merriam's turkeys here in Montana. Oh, <laughs> and honestly we made it fun yeah i mean absolutely we're on the road all the time and we uh cleaned out some things and marcia painted some some rooms and mm-hmm. we're on the road so much it was just like okay this is what it is let's mm-hmm. let's go with it just a lot of changes and through it all though we had several people reach out to us they say we know you're not getting to do your ministry like you normally do or um, just out of the blue, I'd open the mail and there'd be a letter saying, you know, I know you can't speak, but we want to put this to your ministry to help, you know, do what you need to d- get done. And that was an encouragement to us, but it also reminded us that, you know, we need to give that back. Mm-hmm. So we were trying to be an encouragement to those that, you know, there were many pastors that weren't in there, couldn't help, you know, take care of their people and their congregation and they weren't able to meet and a lot of things were changing. So in return, we tried to reach out to them be an encouragement to them and just try to stay in contact. And I think Mm -hmm. that positive vibe or whatever you want to call it, you know, but just trying to 
looking on the sunny side and kind of being positive and we're going to get through this and you know the lord's got this no matter what and Mm -hmm. not just the uncertainty of so many things so that was a blessing to us that someone took time to be a blessing to us and we tried to pass it on so that was just trying to get through it just like everybody else with every all the restrictions i think something else that was really cool and it's just just neat that you look back Mm -hmm. on stuff so Michael McMichael and I have been friends from for years of yeah. Power Belt Bullets, and I mean, just a really close friend of mine. And and he called me up and earlier in the in the winter and said, "Hey, Chad, we got to try this new bullet mm-hmm. that we're going to be coming out with." You may have heard of the ELR now, but he's <laughs> like, "We need to try this bullet out." He's like, "Going to be great for whitetail and elk, but why don't we go find a buffalo?" Mm. I'm like, "Okay." And that was in the back of my mind. We talked about it in January, February. This is one of those flexible things that was not on the calendar. <laughs> it wasn't on the calendar. Yeah. And all this, so he called and said, hey, we can do this in March. And this was right when stuff was shutting down. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm like, okay, let's do it. So we go out and we're testing this bullet. And he's like, well, I want you to shoot one too. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we're in Northeast Montana and we're going after buffalo mm-hmm. and we both take buffalo and he's like chad i can only fit so much in my truck he had he had a <laughs> smaller truck and it was i mean he had the heads and the hides and i mean he was maxed out he's like can you use some of this uh-huh. or do you have some people that can do you know how many pounds of hamburger can come out of two buffalo we and we'd already had a successful season with elk and mm-hmm. everything else so we had this burger and so Marsha and I got talking. There were several people. I mean, that's when you could only get one pack of meat at the grocery stores. Mm-hmm. They were limiting you. So we started hearing about people. And so we started sharing some of our, our buffalo and some of our elk and our, our mm-hmm. venison, mm-hmm. our deer. And it was able to help some of these people. And I said, you know what? I had no plan really to shoot a buffalo. Uh-huh. I really didn't. And I called our processor up and he's like, hey, he's like, we don't know what's going on with COVID and we don't run this time of year, Mm -hmm. but I'll bring a crew in and they can process it. And so we ended up with a lot of Buffalo burger and and meat and we use that for ourselves, but we shared a lot. And that Mm -hmm. was something I'm like, you know what? God had this already figured out before. And we were able to use our hunting Mm -hmm. as a a positive thing. And we've done that for years, sharing animals with a lot of widows and, and so forth, the people that, that can't hunt. Um, and that that's, was something that was pretty cool that came out of it. Absolutely. I think that's something that is oftentimes overlooked is the, you know, you oftentimes go hunting and the meat you take, you know, for your family, which is totally fine. But one of the cool things that I thought is when I went to Africa and we shot the animals, they donated all the meat yeah. to families that were in need. And so there's more good that comes out of it as well. Right. And it's really cool that you guys were able to do that last year when, when people in your own community were, were hurting, you know, um, but that's and, a lot that people don't know. Yeah. You know, a lot of it is just, they just, they just, they don't know. They're not educated on that. So mm-hmm. we share that when we speak and you can just see like the lights click on or their eyes get big, you know, mm-hmm. when I'm like in Africa that we, we took was 16 people with us the last time we went, a large group mm-hmm. and we ate some, you know, while we were there each night, but there's so much bounty mm-hmm. and that that small little village area they probably had enough meat to last six months or more. Yeah. And they came and they're so thankful. They bring their, you know, they bring their bags and their pots and their, pe- mm-hmm. you know, and we help them and we cut it all up and process it and they take it and they're able to get, they don't have that, mm-hmm. you know, they're able to get that meat and provide it for their family 
for several families for six months. And when we share that with people, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, because people say, what do you do with all that meat? We yeah. eat it. It doesn't mm-hmm. go to waste. And we share it and we pass on the blessing. And I think some people just aren't aware of it. Yeah. They just don't, they just don't see that side of the full circle of the hunting of what, you know, mm-hmm. what you can do. And and so many of us hunters, we're, we're about helping people. And it's mm-hmm. not about Absolutely. a megaphone and getting on a platform and saying, right. look what I did. I gave this for, no, it's, it's like, Hey, I'm going to help, help these people out. And you, you just do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's, that's. That's what's so cool about it. We, we've tried to portray that with our boys too, is we typically will have the animals processed, anything that's left over right after Thanksgiving. And we, as they were younger, we would explain what we were doing and Mm -hmm. we'd help them carry the, they'd help us carry the boxes and say, this is what we do it. This, this widow, her husband always hunted. He, she always had elk meat in her freezer, always had venison Mm -hmm. and she loves it, but she doesn't have anybody to provide it for anymore. And, 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 those just great lessons to teach your kids. Absolutely. There's there's so much good that comes out of hunting right. that people don't really see. And that's one of the big things that we always want to raise awareness for because, you know, at muzzleloaders.com, we're huge hunters. We love to hunt and we want to, I, I believe that hunting is really beneficial to our society. It's beneficial right. to our souls and, and everything or the people around us. So it's really excellent that you guys have been able to do that. So. Well, and that's something that you were talking about the effects of the pandemic. And, mm-hmm. and as I do a lot of them with the marketing team at, at CVA and Bergara, one of the things we, we talk about is the trends. And last year, one of the number one searches on the internet about hunting mm-hmm. last March was how do I hunt? Mm-hmm. There were a million first time hunters in America last year. And if you look at all the Western draws and you see it, you see the increase in these hunter numbers in the different states. Washington State, for example, graduated twice as many first-time hunter safety students than ever before. Idaho, first-time hunters was up 28%. California was up. California also saw a resurgence of people that had went dormant or hadn't bought Mm -hmm. a hunting license for two to three years jumped back in and they had more people doing it that way and the fishing industry also so those are things as our hunter numbers were going down in the country mm-hmm. this kind of gave it a push got people out outdoors and uh, it, it's good for the industry and good for people yeah mm-hmm. and it's i think it's really good for people because especially during covid times you're stuck inside you're on your phone you're watching tv and and you're not experiencing life. You're right. experiencing life through the lens of other people. Right. And that's not bad in and of itself, but it's really important to get out, experience life for yourself. And, you know, there's adversity, there's challenges. And that's where hunting, I think for me, the big appeal is, is pushing myself, challenging myself and overcoming, you know, and right. I think that's something that's really lacking in our society today is a lack of challenge and overcoming perseverance, you know, so... Um, one thing I did want to touch on as well is, uh, you mentioned a couple of interesting species, buffalo and and moose here. And, uh, what is it like, you know, I'm from Oregon. We don't have those species to hunt. Uh, what is it like to hunt moose and, and buffalo? Is there like, what are the tactics? What's that like? You know, it is, it's exciting. Any adventure moose, I've been fortunate to hunt them up in Canada and, have, uh, have you hunted those in Montana, Chad? No, no, I have oh, okay. not hunted those in Montana. <laughs> That's our sore subject right there. Have you, Marsha? Actually, I have. I did get a Montana moose tag and, and filled it. Yeah. Yes. Shirish, yeah. 
So I've uh, <laughs> I've been applying now for uh, 38, 39 years. Oh my. Montana moose tag and mm. haven't drawn one. My sweet wife at 20 years of applying <laughs> and drew one, and now my son. Hey, I let him go along, though. But it is it is completely. That's a good question. You know, you that's like the species we have here mm-hmm. where we go to other places and they have different ones that we don't have here. It's mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you use a lot of the same things, but it's still it's completely new. It's mm-hmm. completely different. Seeing them in the wild is different. You know, the sounds that they make, the, mm-hmm. the whole hunt itself, it's just it's another bonus. You know, it's just something different to hunt. Yeah, and it's it's a totally different technique. And once that moose is on the ground, oh my, they're big. Yeah, I mean, packing <laughs> moose out compared to elk are big, mm-hmm. and they're a lot of work. But moose, <clears throat> you take it to a, a whole nother whole nother level. Yeah, mm-hmm. and buffalo. I mean, we actually um, were able to to get some tractors out into this area um, to lift them up. And when you've got a full-size John Deere tractor with a front-end loader that's used to grabbing uh, bales, mm-hmm. and it goes, and the back tires are starting to bounce on the back. <laughs> it, it's it's, yeah, a, it's whole, a lot different than a whitetail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thing. But, but that's just it. It's, it's a different species, and calling them in and locating them. And mm-hmm. I'll sure remember when Marsha shot that bull here in Montana, just the excitement of mm-hmm. it all, and the boys were down there with us, and and uh, it is, it's there, there are a lot of work, but it's it's different. Whatever species there is, there's different. There's always a fundamentals, but there's always that little different nuance about it. And uh, no matter what we're hunting, it's it's people ask me this the other day, hey, what do you like to hunt? I'm like, I love hunting wild pigs. Mm-hmm. We don't have them here in Montana. But shooting pigs, and Marsha is a pig shooting machine. I'll just tell you, she <laughs> shot a bunch of pigs. But going different places and shooting pigs, that's fun for me. Yeah. People are like, whitetails are pigs. I'm like, and and I'm not trying to offend anybody here, but <laughs> if I have a 130-inch whitetail or I've got a big boar pig uh-huh. stand out there, I might shoot the pig. I mean, thinking <laughs> about it. I just love shooting pigs. Yeah, and you mentioned buffalo hunting and there's all kinds of different species and in africa i it reminds me because when you're driving down the road in africa you have no idea what you're going to see you know like you guys were talking about earlier seeing all those rare animals uh and you had mentioned earlier that you had hunted a cape buffalo with the muzzleloader and a cape buffalo is one of the most dangerous animals that you can hunt and so you i know there's a lot to that story i was hoping you could tell that and share that with us you know cape buffalo is was on my bucket list and it was one of these things that I thought I'd never mm-hmm. have that opportunity. And I still remember it. It was an August day. I received a phone call from Michael McMichael, Power Belt Bullets, mm-hmm. and he said, Hey, Chad, you want to go to Zimbabwe? I'm like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, When, when do you want to go? He's like, Well, first part of October. And I'm like, Michael, with our TV schedule, I can't do that. We've got another, another hunt booked mm-hmm. up in British Columbia. He's like, Okay, I'll call you back. <laughs> <laughs> 10 minutes later phone rings she said how about in two weeks <laughs> i'm like what remember he, that flexibility again yeah. <laughs> he's he's uh, he said yeah zimbabwe two to three weeks we can leave and i'm like oh, i gotta talk to marsha on this because our boys were young we had mm-hmm. an outfit business going on i had people coming in in fact dudley of cva was coming in to bow hunt uh-huh. and marsha i said marsha what do you think because she had her guide license and mm-hmm. she's like yeah this is an opportunity of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. She's like, just like the grizzly bear hunts opportunity of a lifetime. He's kind of like, used that opportunity of a yeah. lifetime a few times. Before. <laughs> She's like, three opp- lives do you have? Yeah. <laughs> three, three in one year. What do you think? And so all of a sudden 
we get everything planned. We're taking our muzzleloaders to to Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. Last minute trip. We get over there, and I'm just thinking, okay, God, you've got a purpose for this. Mm-hmm. This is cool. We're going hunt buffalo. We get there. Our pH isn't at the airport. Mm-hmm. I've flown international a lot, and they're always there. I'm like what's going on and there was a breakdown in communication with the person that michael had set this up with Mm -hmm. and the outfitter in africa they still had us coming in october oh no i'm like are we (laughs) do we need to turn back around or whatever and the outfitter's like no get a hotel there i'll get this lined out i've got one of my great phs he just finished another hunt and uh, he's available he'll meet you so he Mm -hmm. started driving going they had to set camp up we get there and it was amazing we're hunting and and it was tough it was it was hot it was 85 degrees i typically don't get blisters on my feet i got blisters on my feet i ended up getting a buffalo as we're following this buffalo he finally got agitated because we kept tracking them and we'd bump them and then we stay on their tracks the buffalo world dropped his head and my ph said chad you must shoot he's charging <laughs> i'm like whoa that wasn't in the travel brochure <laughs> and i pulled up my muzzleloader shot him hit him square he whirled went down laid down and and it was just such mm-hmm. an amazing thing but as we were on this hunt i noticed my ph had scars on his arm and on, on the side of his face and and i was talking to him and i said hey what what happened there i said that had to be a story it was a few days in the mm-hmm. hunt you kind of got to know him he said chad i was guiding a hunter and a leopard came out of nowhere and he said he he attacked me and he said i could feel his teeth going into my skull oh geez and he said and i i'm out I'm blacked out. He said, my my tracker that was w- with me got the leopard off of me. He said, they medevac me out. He said, I was wrapped in bandages. He said, I don't know if you know about cat bites, but he said, it's the worst bite you can get. I had infection. And I said, what did you think about while you were, while you were sitting there in the hospital? Mm-hmm. He's like, I, I was mummied. He's like, all over, all, he just had a place for me to breathe with my nose and my mouth. He said, I thought about what if that was my last day on this earth? I'd never see my boys and, and my wife again. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to ask you this. I said, if something would have happened to you that day, do you know if you go to heaven? Mm-hmm. He said, Chad, he said, I don't. He said, I have a Bible and I read it, but I, I don't know. He said, in fact, I had another client that hunted with me l- last year. And we were talking about this. And he said, I can tell you how to know this. He said the hunt ended, and as he was leaving for the airport, he said, I'll come back and finish that story. Hmm. And at that point, I realized why I really was in Zimbabwe. Hmm. I said, Rory, I know the rest of that story. And that night as we sat, as soon as dinner was over, he went and got his Bible. And I had a Bible, and we sat there. There were elephants trumpeting in the background. There's all Hmm. these that were just sitting under this grass hut in Zimbabwe mm-hmm. and I opened the Bible and showed him how he could know a hundred percent sure he was going to heaven. And he bowed and prayed and accepted Christ right there in the middle of Zimbabwe. And that's why I've always felt is God puts us in the places he wants us to be when he wants us to be there. Mm. I had number one, that was a, a delight of my heart, a highlight to go to Africa Absolutely. and hunt Buffalo. Uh-huh. I mean, it was amazing, but 
God always has a bigger purpose. And I think that's so much is looking for. That's one thing I, I see with Marsha a lot is as she's a need filler. She's very hospitable, mm -hmm. but she's always looking for people that, that, that have a need. And I, I think of just last week with our good friend and the, his situation with his wife and, and, and what you encouraged me to do with that. Yeah. We had a very good friend of ours who has a wife and she's younger in her, in her thirties and she had a stroke mm -hmm. um, just out on the phone with them and just not, you know, no health issues, no anything. Mm. And they had to lifelight her um, to, from they were, she was in Missoula in ICU at very, very serious. And we just, it was really burdenous. And I just said, Chad, you know, he just, he needs somebody there with him. And so Walker, our oldest son, has recently got his pilot license. And he's like, Dad, I can fly you. I said, just leave. Go. He's going to want to get in the hospital as soon mm -hmm. as they let him in. But if you're there before he can go and just pray with him or encourage him, you know, the Bible tells us our steps of a man are ordered by the Lord. Mm. And so just like how that happened with you being in South Africa, you know, with being in Zimbabwe with Rory, there are things that the Lord places in our life every day if we just keep our eyes open, like Chad was saying. So he flew there and in Missoula and landed and got to just be with him for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. And because of that, um, we did not even know it when they took off. Walker took off and flew from Great Falls, landed in Missoula. And just before they landed or right when they landed, he, they got a phone call from the man and said, she's taking a turn for the worst. They have to fly her life lighter to Spokane. Mm. And he was going to have to drive. And Walker said, get in the, get in the plane and I'll fly you to Spokane. Mm. Or they would have never even been there. Couldn't have been a help to him. So again, it just, it was, it was just amazing. Cause the man said, Chad, I'm sorry, this is kind of a waste of your time coming down here. Mm. And I said, Hey, we can fly the plane right to you. There's a little airport right by where he lives. Right. You don't even have to drive. And I said, you can be there. And it was so neat to me to not only see what God has done in our life, but in our boy's life and mm -hmm. Walker with his pilot's license, how he could use that right. as a, as a ministry to him and talk to him when he was there. I had a word of prayer with him before he got on the plane and, you know, he got there and every, every minute counts in those situations. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought back, my mom had a, uh, ventricle cardiac arrest years ago and had some major health issues where she was in the hospital for nine months with rehab. And the thing I remember the most is just being there for people. Mm -hmm. It's just, who was, who was at the door when I came out at night or just said, here's a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. And you remember those things. And that's all we were trying to do. And it, it turned into more. And thankfully, uh, this young, young lady now she's starting to say some words. She's rehabilitating mm -hmm. just in this last week. And, and what's so cool is he said, you know what? God's doing this mm -hmm. because he said, she called me and said, I'm not feeling good. And all of a sudden the phone dropped and he didn't know. And he mm -hmm. heard some choking, didn't know if it was his baby. They had a five month old baby, didn't know what was going on. And he rushed home and found her. And they, they, mm -hmm. it's just amazing how God, God puts us where we, where he needs us to be and where we should. Yeah. Nothing happens by accident. Right, nope. right. And you can see how just the the small details that you didn't think would matter ended up making all the difference in the exactly. long run. You know? Exactly. Well, Chad, what's our verse over, you know, at our house, we yep. have a gate mm -hmm. and we have <laughs> Psalms 48, 14. Yep. I'm looking at it right now. It <laughs> says he will be our guide. It mm -hmm. talks about God being our guide, even unto death. And we should be looking and, mm -hmm. and we had a pastor preach on Sunday. He talked about how the Holy Spirit, he directs us and how we need to be 
listening to what he has for us. And, mm-hmm. and it, it's just, it's neat. We're, we talked about looking back over the last year, but even looking back over the last 30 years and, and we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. We don't know how, where, where all this is going, but we do know that by having a relationship with God and having it in our heart, we know how it's all going to end. Mm-hmm. His word is a lamp into our feet. Right. You know, we can see the next step, but not the full picture. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's been a huge blessing having you guys on the podcast. I really appreciate you guys taking the time, having us out here. And um, we look forward to spending some more time with you guys. Well, thank so. you. We enjoy being on here and having, having you here in Montana. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you all for listening. Uh, and feel free to check out the rest of the podcast or on the website and check out shoot straight TV. Um, they have an awesome ministry, awesome TV show and great people to support. So we'll see you next time. Take care.